matchup. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. We are here to feel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am one of your hosts, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops, and you can find my written work over at SB Nation or The Dream Shake. And before we get too far into it, of course, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Vader. You can find me on Twitter at Vader H-Town and also on Instagram. And of course, many of y'all already know the face, but I'm going to let, let my man Frank uh, introduce himself to the Rocket Field Podcast uh, family. Man, just before that, man, that intro, that's a great intro, man. I think I feel like I'm, if I had a warm-up suit on, I'd rip it off and start some shots. Hey, man, we got to put some excitement into this season. Yeah, yeah, I love that, man. That was dope. But, yeah, y'all know me, F-Tank 58 from the Rockets Chop Shop, uh, ready to talk some Rockets. And if y'all don't know, man, it's it's a lot of content out there, not as much lately since Rockets have been sucking for a few years. But there's a lot of Rockets content out there. But if you're not following Frank and checking out Chop Shop, you definitely should because it's unique, it's different. And, you know, I definitely uh, check it out every time a video come out. And so I, I appreciate the good content, even though there's some bad times going on right now. Yeah, it's rough, brother. It's a rough time for content creators for uh, the Houston Rockets. We are in the in the bowels of like probably the the lowest depression of feel good stories. But you know, obviously, there's still a lot to talk about, and uh, yeah. you know, we're we're all collectively going to try to get the fan base through. And I want to yeah, co-sign I mean, what Richard said because, uh, like, I think Frank and Space Ghost and the rest of those guys they put out some of the best Rockets related content that yeah. you're going to find anywhere on social media. So, man, come on, man. Check that out if you <laughs> absolutely <haven't. laughs> appreciate it. Ab- absolutely, man. They they make these. Uh, Horrible games actually seem interesting somehow, <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate Magic. that. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, like you said, it, it hasn't been easy. This All-Star break was uh, definitely needed. Um, yeah. But we're back into it, and uh, unfortunately, we're kind of back into the exact same thing <laughs> we left uh, a week or a half ago. Um, the Rockets went down 116-101 to the Curryless, Draymondless, and Andrew Wigginless uh, uh, Golden State Warriors last night. Um, unfortunately, they started off good, a close game for most of the first half, um, but the wheels kind of fell off in the second half. Uh, we kind of saw the same things we've been seeing. Even though they did shoot a little bit better in the second half, they're still struggling to make shots. They're still stuck or struggling to keep up with defensive assignments, um, like Ryan Hollis pointed out last night. Uh, for some reason, you, you, you probably shouldn't leave Clay Thompson open um, under any circumstances, but the Rockets seem to, for some reason, not want to guard Clay Thompson last night. Who made 12 three pointers? For some, he continuously goes off against the Rockets every single game. It doesn't matter if it's the James Harden Rockets or if it's the current uh, worst record in the league Rockets. He seems doesn't really care. He always has great games against the Rockets. He did again last night, going forward 40 points as the Warriors beat the Rockets by 15. Um, before we go into what we really want to talk about today, uh, Vader, is there anything you want to take from this game other than Alperen Shangun didn't play in the fourth quarter? Oh man, don't get started on that because that's off <laughs> a firestorm on on social media. Because uh, there are so many fans that were upset that he didn't get enough minutes and that he did not play in fourth quarter and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, man. Like 
to quote uh, the former Rockets great Eric Gordon, there's no, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting them to win. I mean, I know Golden State is shorthanded, but you know, like if you've been watching and keeping up with the Rockets at all this year, um, I don't know at this point why you're expecting anything to be different right now. Um, we're just kind of looking for little small victories at this point. So for me, watching the game, I'm 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 kind of happy to see Ty Ty Washington get in the game. So I'll point that out as something positive that I saw. Um, I think he shot five for twelve. I, I don't remember exactly. I think he hit a a few three pointers. Yeah, um, he, he looked pretty comfortable out there. I like Ty Ty Washington's game a lot. So um, hopefully he'll continue to get a few more starts under his belt uh, before some of those other guys get back. Um, I thought he was a I thought he was a positive. I thought when Josh Christopher came in, he gave some pretty good minutes. At least offensively, there were still some things defensively that he needs to get better at. But I mean, who on the Rockets is a good defender right now outside of a, a handful of guys? So yeah. um, I don't like to just harp on him. A lot of people, when I bring bring up his name, they always try to tell me that, oh, yeah, well, he's missing defensive assignments. And I'm like, who isn't? <laughs> Who's not right. missing defensive assignments on this team right now? Um, yeah. I do know like he came in the game and he, he went off on a, like a personal 6-0 run. And he gets to the basket. I feel like when he gets minutes, uh, he gives us good minutes. And so I'm encouraged by some of the stuff I saw from him. Jabari had another tough shooting night. Um, he did uh, make a few drives to the basket. He he got one where he uh, he beat his man. He split two defenders and he dunked it. And I posted it on Twitter. And somebody said that that was probably the most polite poster dunk they've ever seen. <laughs> Because uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, bro, I actually remember the dude, yeah. but it was uh, I don't know. It was kind of a soft dunk, man. Vader, you, Vader, Vader, you put he caught a body, and if if it was like if I'm imagining somebody catching a body is like when you close your eyes and you ask your friend to catch you. That's the type of body. So <laughs> trust yeah, fall. That's a trust fall. It wasn't like no real. In, in, in retrospect, like I wish I would have went back and because because after right after I clicked, I kind of in my mind I was kind of sarcastic with it, but I should have put like kind of Jabari Smith caught a body, kind of. But you know, Jabari like, Smith body basically. Right, right, right. I mean, because we haven't seen him really dunking on guys like that. So yeah. like to me, like that's a Jabari Smith body as far as I'm concerned because he he's not really out there like doing that yet. He. You know, his, he don't have the core strength or the leg strength right now to like go up on guys like that and and and, and throw it down. So to see him like get to the basket like that and sp split a couple of guys and actually like not lay it up and throw it down like I, I thought that was good. But I mean, other than that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of positives that you can look at for the game. Uh, I'm trying to think of one more, but I, I'm gonna not a uh, Deshaun Knicks three. You're not gonna, you're not gonna talk about your boy Knicks no, nailing three. You know what? I'm gonna leave Knicks alone, man. I'm gonna leave Knicks alone. <laughs> Nix is Nix is he's he's not uh he's not thirty, you know he pointed that out on social media. He's not thirty, still getting better. So I'm just yeah, waiting on those young. moments. Yeah. He's still young. There's still like an opportunity for him to get better, and I do I actually believe that he can get better. It's just uh, you know we watched it all year. I don't. This is not the year. You know what I mean? Like maybe he'll come back next year with some different things. Uh, you know that he's improved on and gotten better at. But like right now, I think they need to go ahead and like. Let Ty Ty Washington get those minutes and let's see what he can do. Yeah. And, and Frank, you know, before we get into the kind of the, the main thing we want to talk about, was there any positive you want to take from this yeah. game? Um, the parts that you actually watched? Yeah, <laughs> just I was telling the shot offline. I, I was going back and forth between the Clippers game and if anybody watched, that was a great game between the yes. Clips and the Kings. Uh, but the parts I did watch and just kind of seeing some of the things that came out the game, obviously Ty Ty getting the start 
was big and you know i'm a big tie tie guy i just i don't know if anybody notices when he plays he's very he has the demeanor of a of an organizer he just doesn't have the confidence and the experience yet and i think he's like the forgotten kid in the rockets rebuild that we really don't talk about tie tie too much but i still you know before he got injured at uh when he was at kentucky he was going to be a lottery pick uh coming out and one wow. of the best guards in his class so um, I definitely love to see him on that stage. And for the Warriors and how we let Clay do that, I mean, that goes back, you know, like you said, the Harden era. They're one of the – and I think LaShard, you posted, uh, posted a, a tweet about, um, you know, the reading react that uh, that the Warriors offense uh, – I think Ryan Hollins had pointed out that they, they don't run a lot of plays, and they really yeah. don't. Um, and these are – you know, they could do those read and react things in their sleep because they've been doing this for so many years and it's been cooking us for so many years. Um, it's really hard to guard them because you – whatever you do, you're screwed. Um, they just have so many smart players. When they get screen set for their shooters, if you try to, like, come up on the screen, the guys that set the screens are going to slip on you. Then yeah. you you start scrambling. And with our young guys, um, I, I can't see just by system alone, like, I don't think we're – the Warriors are going to own us for a while until all of them collectively yeah. get better. But, you know, like uh, Vader was saying, I'm not with the games at this point. I'm looking at bigger, like bigger picture stuff. Um, the wins. I mean, yeah, we're going to we're going to lose. And to me, honestly, there's really no incentive to win at this point. It's so far gone. Let's try to secure the best position we can with the Wembyama sweepstakes or scoot. And um, you just want to see development reps for the guys, especially the guys at the end of the bench. Um, and I know we'll get into the stone uh, interview, um, but one thing that you don't want to do is we go into quote unquote phase two is lose out on getting data points for some of those end of the bench guys and just move yep. on from them without knowing what a tie tie can actually do. So I'm happy that he got to start. I, I hope that we get a lot of heavy. We know what Alp can do for the most part, I, even though they didn't lean into the uh, Shen hub thing as much as I liked. Um, but we know he's a good player. We know Jalen's good. We know Kevin Porter's good. We know Tate, KJ. Let's find out about the Josh Christophers, the Ty Ties, the Garubas before we start, because possibly some of these guys may get moved um, to get a, a better team going. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Frank is saying, like a lot of these guys are probably not even going to be here for the long term. You know, I, I have developed, you know, some attachment to like some of these younger guys on the roster because we've seen them come in, young guys, hungry, wanting to play, get play in time, get better. But like realistically speaking, like if we're actually going to try to put together a roster that's going to compete, you can't have a roster full of 20 and 21 year olds. So like realistically speaking, as much as I like Josh Christopher, as much as I, you know, have, you know, campaign for Usman Garuba minutes and, and guys of, uh, of that ilk, you know, realistically speaking, if you're going to add veterans and you're also going to bring in a high draft pick this year, you know, some of these guys are going to have to probably be moved to some other teams for, for some different assets. Yeah. yeah, but but like yeah, well, like Frank was saying, it, it'd be good to be able to see them play out this season to see exactly what they have. I mean, if you want to go deep into it, into your your G League guys, your your Trevor Hudgens, your Darius Days, just to kind of just see because you never know. I mean, I mean Darius Days, yes, again, they're G League stats, but I mean he's been killing it in the G League, and at this point, I mean you're losing games anyway. You might as well see exactly what you have from every single player on your roster so that you go as you can go into next year with a clean slate knowing exactly who you're going to be bringing back, who can fit with what players, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is by playing them. And like and like y'all been saying, like with Knicks, we kind of know what Knicks is this season. Can he get better in the future? Possibly. I mean, but at this point, you know exactly what you're getting from Knicks. So Nick's playing 
15, 20 minutes a game just really doesn't make much sense to end this season. You want to see exactly what you're getting from everybody else um, because you're you're winding down the season, and we all know how important next offseason is, and that kind of just leads me into my – the next topic I want to talk about is the uh, Rafael Stone, his latest interview that he had with Kelly Eco over at The Athletic. Of course, we know uh, Stone is a lawyer um, by trade, so you're not going to really get a lot from Stone when you're asking a question. I'm sure he, I'm sure Kelly asked him a lot of questions that he just flat out just didn't answer. Um, but we did get a little bit of a glimpse of what they're kind of thinking coming up into next season when they're saying they want to be super aggressive going into uh, next season, especially with free agency or with trades. Um, they also talked a little bit about how uh, – management is on the same page uh we kind of saw a glimpse of what uh tim fertita is thinking going into next season when he was uh, having a little bit of a little bit of fun over uh mardi gras so we we know exactly <laughs> what he wants going into next year but uh i'll start with you frank what did you did you get anything from the interview that uh rafael stone did with uh kelly Eco over at the uh, uh over at the athletic yeah, I mean, you you captured it perfectly. Saying Stone is a lawyer, he said, <laughs> a bunch, he said a lot, but he didn't say anything at all. And but yeah. same time, if you read between the lines and try to piece together other interviews, you can kind of get a general idea of you know some of the things that he does believe. One, obviously, he's already pointed out the uh, different phases, and um, I think in the previous article, I'm forgetting, I think it was Brian Smith or whoever wrote the one that before that he was interviewed. Uh, where he was defending um, the fact that people were assuming they didn't have a plan. Yeah. Um, my criticism of that is having a plan that isn't uh, in itself a, a, a good or bad thing. I could plan to be the worst dad in the world. You know, that is, that's not a good thing. So um, I think he did open the window of saying that, you know, don't say we didn't have a plan. You can criticize the execution of it, but it's still yet to be seen. And I think that's very true. I've been critical of their execution because it leads me back to some of the issues that we're seeing currently with our players. I think that, they had such a rigid approach to asset accumulation and uh, trying to secure getting the best draft picks that it ignored a lot of some of the um, structural things you need in place to develop seven first round picks, which th that in itself is really, really hard to do. Um, to me, the biggest thing that um, for Stone um, is that it seems like just to me personally that he, when the, Kelly asked him about whether he feels how they've done, um, he's calling the, um, as far as the asset management accumulation part successful. And then the development side, he seems not to be very, like he's saying that there is a lot of work to be done in that aspect. To me, I read that as he's almost separating himself and the front office from the basketball coaching staff yeah. and it's kind of posing it as when it comes to our goal to get um, draft picks, we didn't have any, we got them. Um, get talent on the roster, we got them. Uh, you know, have flexible cap space. We're we're ready for that. As a front office, we've met our goals of the players. And I don't see Stone as somebody that's like criticizes himself. You know, I haven't seen any just overt like support for like, hey, Steven Silas is our guy going forward. We've been in a tough thing, da 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 da. So it just seems like they're kind of he sees himself as the phase one being successful as it relates to the front office, but I think there's still a lot of room for growth our players and i don't think honestly i don't think any of them believe this is where we want a jalen or jabari or anybody to be at this point in the season yeah i mean like you said it's 
it's almost like they're setting themselves up for next season, the front office to where they're like, well, look, like you, like you said, we did what we were supposed to do. Now, as far as anything else, you know, that's kind of out of our hands, which is kind of crazy considering it's supposed just, to be a one unit or one team. They're supposed to all be working on the same page, whether it's development. We know from what we've heard from several people, um, people that actually know that I actually trust that Stone is a lot more involved in the day to day stuff than, you know, than he might want to give off when he's giving these interviews. Um, so to say that they're not part of the development is kind of crazy to me because, I mean, at the end of the day, you, I mean, especially with a young coach, you have to know that Stone is has his hands in a lot of different things. Now, whether he's doing like individual plays for individual players, that's a different story. But I, I do think he has something to do with how they do rotations. Uh, who plays what minutes. I think he does has a say in that at the end of the day. Uh, so, Vader, did you get anything from this interview or was it kind of just more like, a, well, he's saying stuff, but he's not saying stuff? Well, it, the funny thing to me was uh, it reminded me of like a meme came to my head, like right right as I was like looking at the interview. And it's that, I, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Drewski meme where he's just like, <laughs> but that's what it kind of reminded me of. It's like, hey, I did, you know, I gave you good players. I brought in these guys yep. that had talent. I gave you everything that you needed to be successful. Gave him 50 ideas, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I that's saw that. The 50 ideas, yeah. yeah. Like, he's like, like, now the coaching and the player development, I don't know, man. No. I don't like, that's not on me. I did my job. You know, I like Raphael Stone. Like, I wish he would be more. See, we got we got kind of spoiled by having Daryl Morey because he was more of a like out front yes. guy. He loved to do interviews. We knew what Daryl Morey was thinking, probably for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. He sometimes probably gave too much information. And like Stone is like, like you said, he's a lawyer. He plays everything really close to the best, and we don't know what he's thinking. So it leaves us to like make up our own, you know, make up our own stories or make up our own ideas about what he's doing because. He doesn't really tell us. He doesn't talk to us like that. So uh, just, you know, hearing him in that interview and his perspective of what's going on, it kind of made you think that they are kind of starting to separate themselves from from the coaching staff. And, you know, like I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans would not be upset with that. I mean, if you look at <laughs> if you look at like a lot of the stuff this year, I mean, we have some really diehard Stephen Silas and the coaching staff supporters. But there is just things that when you when you watch basketball and you watch basketball for a long time, you do have some questions. There are some questions there as far as like, you know, what they're trying to accomplish on the court, the, the lack of veteran leadership, the, and, and, you know, and honestly, the lack of veteran leadership does kind of go back to the general manager. So yeah. like he should take, you know, some responsibility and accountability for that aspect. I mean, these guys do need, um, they do need somebody in their ear. That's that's not a coach. That's somebody that that is going you know going to battle out there with them. Like I look at some of these young guys around the league, and I see uh, like what Shea Gilgis Alexander is doing right now. He had Chris Paul. You yeah. know, like what what better mentor could you have than a guy like Chris Paul who knows all the all the ins and outs, all the tricks of the trade. Uh, he thinks the game on a cerebral level. Uh, you see a guy like Darius Garland over in Cleveland. He had and, and these guys aren't going to like jump off the page or or like, you know, perk your ears up too much when you hear their names. But like he had Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio, Man. for all his deficiencies, he's a good point guard. You know, that's a guy you can learn from. He had Rondo there, you know, like we we have our guys here and we had a guy like John Wall, you know, whatever you think about him. But, you know, once a guy isn't playing anymore, I think that th- that kind of diminishes uh, what, what they're able to do for you, you know, in the middle of a, in the middle of a basketball game. So. 
I don't know, man. Like the, I'd like to hear a lot more from Stone, especially like to end the year because it's gotten to the point now where it's kind of a free for all on social media. Like you see, yes. you know, everybody, everybody at this point because the games are. Let's be honest, a lot of the games are unwatchable. So mm-hmm. people make their own entertainment. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll, you know, at some point during the game, I'm like, okay, well, this isn't fun anymore. I'm gonna like create my own fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, like. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I just really think that uh, so far this year, I, I would not label that what we've seen, you know, the product that we've seen, I wouldn't say that it, it's been a successful year at all. Um, I, I do think some of the guys have naturally gotten a little bit better, but like the development still isn't where you want. We still see, you know, as much as like I, I, I always say this, Jalen Green's my favorite player on the team. When you look at his stats statistically, they're not that far off from like, uh, you know, some of the other guys that you would think of, Donovan Mitchell's of the world, um, you know, Devin Booker when they were in their second year, guys like that. But when you watch them play, you're just like, man, somebody needs to get in that kid's ear and let them know, hey, man, just because you can take that shot doesn't mean that you should take that shot. Like pass it up, you know, uh, you know, run off a screen, you know, go to the get it, get the ball back and do something else with it. You don't have to play one on three. You don't have to like dribble the ball until the shot clock is running out and then have to force up these shots. A lot of these things that he's doing are dragging down his shooting percentages. And I'm like, is anybody like, is anybody like pulling out an iPad or, or something and showing him like, hey, these are your best spots on the floor. This, this is where you cook. These, this is where you can go to get your, get your best percentages. This is where you're really good. These areas you need to improve on. You know, we don't want you to like not take any of these shots in these areas anymore. But this is where you're really good, and so it just makes me wonder, like, if, if some of those things are happening. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, at this point, it's who's on the team that they're going to actually listen to. I mean, at some point, you get tired. <clears throat> excuse me, of listening to the same voice over and over again. If it's Stephen Silas, and that that kind of goes for any team. And like you said, in the past, the Rockets had players like uh, PJ Tucker, or they had uh, other players that, you know outside of being superstars like James Harden and Chris Paul, that players actually respect and listen to. And now you really don't have that on this team. I mean, even when Eric Gordon was here, Eric Gordon's really not that type of player mm-hmm. or a person in the locker room where he's going to be, you know, people's face and tell them, Hey, this is how you need to do this and do that. He's more of a kind of lead by example guy. So he really wasn't um, getting in certain players faces like John Wall was saying that needed to be done. And that kind of actually leads me to another thing I want to talk about. I wasn't even actually going to really bring up. Um, but, you know, at this point, the Rockets got the worst record in the league. So I really don't have to have some standard podcast at this point. We can kind of <laughs> just talk about whatever. Um, of course, there's been a lot more smoke about the whole James Harden thing. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because we're talking about bringing in players that the other players are going to actually listen to. Um, so let's say that James Harden does decide to come back to the Rockets. Is he the type of player that a Jalen Green, that a Kevin Porter Jr., um, Jabari Smith, whoever, is he the type of player that can get across to them how they need to play on a day-in and day-out basis? Is that the type of person, player he is in the locker room that he'll be able to get these players to actually want to listen to him and want to follow what he does uh, on the court to be successful? And uh, Frank, uh, I'll let you kind of kick that off. Yeah, that's a great question. I've been thinking over this um for, you know, ever since the rumors started coming out that he may be coming back. I think Harden gets a bad rep as far as people um, look at his off the court. Um, I guess his off the court, his personal life and confuse that with 
his on court and what he does as a basketball player. One thing you can never say about James Harden is that he doesn't work hard. Um, the, you don't go from being a guy that was uh, basically drafted to just be a backup um, to forcing your way onto being the closer in playoff series and playing in the finals as a, I think he was a second or third year guard at that point. Um, then forcing your way to becoming, um, you know, a player that was moved to a team that gave you the keys to the franchise, forcing your way to be in the MVP conversations to then winning an MVP without having a strong, strong work ethic and resolving yourself. So when it comes to on-court stuff, yeah, I think uh, to me, you know, I did a video on the chop shop regarding the lack of veteran leadership the Rockets have. And I think to me, that's probably the worst thing that they've done out of anything, even, you know, whatever people want to criticize. I think the biggest mistake the front office did was not understand the value, especially for seven, seven kids that you're going to put in the NBA that are going to play against grown men. Um, yeah. putting um, mentors around them and preceptors to help them transition into being NBA players. Uh, just like any job, you don't matter what job you do, when you first get the job, especially if you're new in the field, normally your job is going to put you with somebody that can like, hey, let me show you the ropes so you get comfortable. And for them, yeah, I think James, to me, the, it's not just having like Boban. Boban is nice. I, and, you know, the uh, David Nawabas are nice. But to be, if you're going to be, wanted to be a vet for a guy that's drafted top five, you got to have a resume to show that, hey, listen to me. I've been there, done that. John Wall would have been perfect for it, but obviously that situation didn't work out. And to me, his contract tied up the money we could have used to get some better guys in the locker room to help them out. So that was a whole situation. But when you're thinking of guys that want to mentor top three picks, top five picks, one, they have to have a resume. They have to be on a player that has seen the highs and the lows or have been to certain levels that these guys are aspiring to be. That's why, you know, a lot of people wanted Derrick Rose to be able to come in and be uh, one of our, our point guards on the team because that's the type of guys that you want, the John Walls, Derrick Rose. I think James Harden is a he's a elite level vet, especially if he's willing to play the role of a teacher and a mentor. Um, I think it really all falls down on him. Um, and what he what he, he envisions, what he's coming here to do. I think that does have to be a conversation that they have if he is coming back that, hey, you know, we have these young guys. Obviously, we're going to try to build a winner around you, James. But, um, you know, part of the role. And I think that's something he's going to do naturally is just to lead Jalen, Jabari, Shangun, whoever is here, Tari, to show them how to work. How did you get to where you were talking to them? And I know James would do that because he is vocal. And, you know, uh, I think he gets a bad rep as a basketball player you know uh outside of you know going to strip clubs and partying with a little baby um but yeah i think he'll be a good bet <laughs> <laughs> yeah and before we before we go to you Vader, i, I want to ask you a quick question frank under what circumstances do you think he's coming back let's say philadelphia gets to the conference final and loses or gets to the finals and loses do you think that pretty much negates any chance of him coming back you think it's more of a hey if philadelphia flames not like they pretty much do every single year in the first or second round then maybe he'll be like okay uh this ain't working here i'm, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and go back to houston where i'm comfortable or do you do you think it's just it's too there's too much time left in between now and free agency to really figure out what's gonna lean james harden one way or another I think James is very complicated and anybody that's yeah. putting like, Hey, he's coming. It's like, <laughs> you're like, he is a, he's a complicated guy and it could be a multi. I'm sure he has some personal reasons why he's coming back. He has businesses, yeah. family in Houston. Um, he still comes down here a lot. I'm sure the comfortability being somewhere that you, 
you know everything and you know basically they're going to cater to you and maybe he gets tired of chasing that ring and just wants to just hoop um i don't know honestly it could be a leverage move for him to try to get daryl to give him that fat contract he wants um it's really hard to tell i think honestly for me um i don't know if it has anything to do with his circumstances just based on like winning or not winning uh i just think it's personal for him and if he does make that choice what's what i'm curious about is what are the rockets willing to um give him when he comes because we know james ran the franchise i mean the re one of the reasons that yeah uh we're in the bind right now with the okc picks is because the russell westbrook trade that he pretty much requested so with stone being not daryl and tillman you know, I don't know. That's going to be a weird dynamic. And then here's a, a, a kind of a weird thing to think about as well. You know, with Stone being a, little, a very hands-on with Coach Silas and some of the stuff we do, does that fly when James Harden's in the building? Is James Harden going to be listening to Rafael Stone trying to give him installation tips about offense? And, like, I, I just don't see that. So, yeah, yeah it, it'll be interesting summer. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, a lot of people not thinking about that. Stone doesn't really seem like the type of guy that is – and, you know, maybe we don't know that for sure, that maybe he, he'll he be more willing to give in to certain things. But I just don't see any way where he just lets James Harden come do whatever he wants, even if that kind of depends on his job is depending on him. Because we all know these next couple of years, Stone is going to start being on the hot seat if the Rockets still aren't succeeding. But that's a, that's going to be a weird dynamic between Stone and Harden. I think for Tita is just fine either way. If they're able to sell tickets with Harden coming back, I think he'll be all right with Harden coming back and having to give him what he wants. But yeah, Stone, that'll be a really interesting dynamic on exactly how it would work between, you know, him and Harden. High, high ended, you know, towards the end of James Harden tenure with the Rockets, and you know, if it was a kind of a a good situation as far as when Stone was trying to trade Harden when he was here. So Veda, what's kind of your uh? thought on this whole James Harden thing. It just doesn't really seem to be going away anytime soon. It's kind of hard to <clears throat> figure out like what James Harden is thinking. He he has a mercurial personality, right? Like I, I I always think about that time when he was interviewed by a friend, Blindberry, I think his name, and he called him a weirdo, like right in the middle of the interview. Like that always sticks in my mind for some reason. Because like James is just different, man. He He's different. Yeah. He dresses different. Um, so it's kind of hard to kind of get an idea of what he's doing. Like Frank made a good point. Like, is he just trying to use us as leverage? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time in history where uh, a, a star player used another team as leverage to get Chris a better contract. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, don't bring that up, man. <laughs> <laughs> we should have – that was – see, that's man. another one that – man, that's another yeah. time where we had an opportunity to, like, put together a really solid team and and, and it blew up right in our face. Man, yep. Houston Sports, man. You got you to gotta finish that book, man. But um, <laughs> I'm thinking about it, man. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go ahead and, and finish that book because we we got a lot of trauma that we that oh, we need man. to talk about. And uh, yep. yeah, that Chris, Chris Boss, man. But anyways, let me not get get <laughs> Sorry to it. But, but uh, James Harden, as far as James Harden, um, I think that he does have leadership qualities. People don't want to give him credit for it because, like Frank said, like if you want to talk about his nightlife or his, you know, him hanging out with rappers and. You know, giving guys lavish gifts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, being a being a guy who who likes to take his vacations. You know, I, I like vacation. You know, but like I will say one thing: he does work hard. That man, that man came back every season with something added to his game, yeah. and so you you can't take that away from him, regardless of what you might might think about like some of the other things and decisions that he's made. When he was here in Houston, 
those first probably five, six years, he came back with a new move or in, or or he was better. You know, save for that one year where he completely stopped playing defense and he went to the reach around defense. But even that year, like he had these amazing stats and he didn't even make an all NBA team. But I think that was the year we were talking about it earlier. I think that was the year that um, some fans from another player put out that that defensive uh, video hit piece Infamous. on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole nother thing. Like James Harden has been dis- disrespected, uh, uh, you know, at different points in time for various reasons, foul baiting or. You know, some of the stuff that a lot of the other guys got away with. But uh, if you watch, uh, if you go and look at like some of the stuff that the young players on the Brooklyn Nets said about him, as far as like like Cam Thomas, uh, for example, said that he was great with them. If you go and look at uh, when he got traded to Philadelphia, some of the stuff that Maxie said, James Harden is a leader as far as like when when you're looking at a guy who is going to teach uh, some of these guys like what they're what they're not seeing. They they're not seeing the game. One thing James Harden has always been able to do is see the game. The thing that has always held him back, in my opinion, in the playoffs, you know, if it if it wasn't like up here in between his ears, mm-hmm. I think it was the fact that he's not a elite athlete. Like I think he knew what to do, but in a playoff situation where everything is geared to stopping you, uh, you being the best player on the team by far. I think that he just couldn't overcome some of those things with his raw natural ability, like like say LeBron James could. LeBron James is just like a freak athlete. Like it doesn't matter what you do, because he has he has this, and he's also you know an S tier athlete. James Harden had this part of it. You know he he knew what to do, but I, I don't think he could always kind of get to where he needed to get when you know he had the other team's best defender on him, and then he also had you know all this help defense and all this other things going on behind behind that guy. So that being said, I think he would come here and I think he would um, I think he would be a good mentor on the court uh, for for Jalen Green. Um, I don't know what I don't know where that would leave Kevin Porter Jr. I know there's a lot of uh, rhetoric out there on Kevin Porter Jr. right now. A whole um, other story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. But I don't know. I don't know if there's room uh, for, for everybody to still be here. And, you know, Frank alluded yeah. to that earlier in the video. But um I think I think James would be good here, man. Like I, I per- personally, like if if we had an opportunity to bring him in, I kind of think it's crazy to not want to bring him back, especially when you're watching. How can you watch a team right now that's won 13 games and say, hey, and, you know, we don't want to add an elite playmaker to this to this group. We don't want to add a veteran who has shown in the past and it's been documented from when he was in Brooklyn and in, in Philadelphia more recently that he has been good uh, with with these young guys. I don't see why you wouldn't want to bring him in. And add them to the fold. Yeah, and that kind of leads to the final topic I, I want to talk about today. Um, again, something I wasn't even going to bring up, but it does lead to, especially yesterday, it seemed like there was a lot of people specifically at ESPN that were mentioning that the Rockets aren't really a place that you would want a player to go to, whether it's uh, Victor Wimiyama, whether it's a, another star-level player that may be out on the market. Um, there was a lot of chatter yesterday about the Rockets and how their situation is getting worse, and it's a hor- it's a, basically a mess of a situation to be in. Um, and when you talked about Kevin Porter Jr., it's kind of just stuck in my head that one of the things that they were talking about on the Zach Low podcast, which I honestly I normally don't listen to, um, but one thing they brought up was that they would come in clear house that it maybe be, uh, be a good situation if you do. A, B, and C. Um, and one of those uh, situations they were saying was to just flat out cut Kevin Porter Jr. 
And I, I don't necessarily want to talk about that because that's really idiotic. <laughs> I mean, and unless Kevin Porter Jr. just goes out and just does something crazy that you know that the um, that damages the team's uh, reputation or his, or his reputation, it really makes zero sense to just cut Kevin Porter Jr. But what I really do want to talk about is the national media's perception of the Houston Rockets, and this goes all the way back to. Um, just a week or week or so ago, uh, Kenny Smith had a lot of comments about the Rockets during slam dunk competition during the pregame. He seemed like he was kind of just going all in on the Rockets. So what is kind of your opinion of what the national media thinks of the Rockets? And do you really put anything into it? Because let's be honest, most of the national people probably have watched a half of a game of the Rockets all season. And that was probably just to see what Jabari Smith was doing on the court. Um, so Frank, do you take anything from what the national media usually says about the Rockets? Um, or is it just more of just rocks a low hanging fruit and it's just an easy target at this point? I, I take it with a grain of salt because one yeah. thing that we have to be cognizant of, even though we as day-to-day -day fans may understand some of the reasonings behind stuff, the perception does matter of people yeah. nationally because that does um, impact what agents and parents and family members and all these people that do impact some decisions that people may make that aren't in the Rockets bubble may think, um, you know, I will defend Zach Lowe a little bit. He does seem like he watches the games and he's not like a big Rockets hater. Gavoni, I, I think he probably, I don't know, he he's uh, kind of been uh, negative on us for some time. The KPJ thing is, is it is random. Um, I think that one of the things with Kevin Porter rehabbing his image is that it's hard to do it on a bad team, right? To say that you're a player that can contribute to winning. Um, so to no fault of his, people still hold this kind of negative perception of him, um, even though he's made all the changes that you would want somebody, a, a young man like him to make to start moving in the right direction. Um, it's just that from the outside looking in, I try to put myself in other fan shoes. They just see us as being a bad team. Um, um, I don't like obviously we know the reasons uh, like we know like Stone said he can't come out and say hey we're just trying to suck for to get draft picks and and do yeah. stuff like that but um, I think the Rockets didn't help themselves either by not making sure that they put their uh, their assets which are the players right now the most tangible assets we have in position to be more successful and once again to me the veteran part is probably the the easiest thing they could have done for that just to help these guys um, learn more. And if you know that Coach Silas is more of a passive type of personality, then also having strong veterans on, on the court to support him to ensure some of the things he's trying to teach um, would have been helpful for them. As far as like Kenny Smith type comments, I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I don't like, I, I mean, I really don't care what Kenny Smith thinks. Um, but it's like if somebody outside the organization said, hey, y'all suck, I mean, I, yeah, okay. Um, it's yeah, because sure. we do like, yeah, but <laughs> as far as like, to me, like the character stuff, the culture stuff, if you have people now, he did say there were people within the organization saying if people within there are saying that, then yeah, maybe it is an issue. And to me, it's hard to reconcile some of the issues we see with all having seven young players. Yeah. It would lead to a bad culture. Once again, it goes back to veterans though. All of this stuff is really a personnel issue. Even for Kevin Porter, people don't see him as one of the kids. He is, he's a young man. All of yeah. these dudes will benefit from having more adults in the room to help them um, make right decisions so they don't look as bad as the people internationally do. Um, but honestly, all this stuff could go away. And I think um, in Zach Lowe's thing, they admitted it literally this offseason. If they make the right moves, bring in the right vets, they could turn the ship around. One thing about Houston, 
that this uh, three year stretch is really damaged for us, for me personally, is that we've been one of the more innovative um, teams in the NBA over the past few uh, years, decades. Um, and having you like going after the Warriors when everybody else took a back seat um, and leaning into analytics with Daryl Morey at a time where people were making fun of us for it. And now everybody's shot chart, if you look at it, it looks like Mike D'Antoni's from back in 2017 uh, oh, yeah. and 18. Um, to see us at this level, regardless of whether it's a tank or not, it is painful as a Rockets fan. I think the whole fan base can see that. Um, I think that the the tenure of Tillman Fertitta has been kind of a mixed bag of negative and some some good things that have come out. I just hope that now they're moving into a phase where they can show some competence and really execute what they're trying to do, that they do put us back on that play. So it makes these last few years look better. Because yeah. what I don't want to happen is like we move into trying to win and then we end up just being bad again because then you get into a perpetual cycle of things there. So this summer is so huge for the franchise like this summer. And I think Stone has alluded to it. Kelly alluded to it. Uh, Zach Lowe alluded to it. This summer is really going to decide our trajectory for the next half decade or more yeah. uh, based on what we do. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's kind of probably one of the biggest decisions they have to make in a, a very long time is what they're going to do this offseason. Because if they mess up this offseason, that could really put them back for a long time because we all know they don't have a draft pick the following season. Um, and it's already a perception, whether it's true or not, around the league um, as far as the Rockets organization. So if they now have the cap space, they now taking the gloves off, so to, uh, so to speak, and they still don't put together a, a team that's at least – can go out there and compete on a night in and night out basis. Nobody's expecting them to go in and be a fifth or sixth seed next season, at least be a competent team to where you're not showing up on the schedule and people are just like, Oh, well, that's a win. That's a win. I mean, that's pretty much what it is for the Rockets at this point where teams don't even feel they even need to play their uh, major players anymore because they just know it's a win going in. You at least want to be able to to go out there and say, Hey, the Rockets have a chance to win this game. They're not going to be an embarrassment out there on the court. So if they mess up this season, it's going to be a lot of people that are going to be probably out the door, um, maybe even during the season next season, because I I don't think Fertitta's actually, surprisingly enough, for the most part, hasn't really said much of anything these last couple of years. Um, He's actually really been in the background other than the Mardi Gras thing. Um, He's been in the background for the most part. So I just think at some point he's a businessman. He's going to want to start seeing some return on his investment. And you're not going to see that return if you're continuously putting out a bad team. Uh, people aren't going to come to the game. People aren't going to buy your merchandise. I don't care you know, how excited they are about certain draft picks. Even if you go out there and you give Victor Wimbiama next year, if you're still bad next year, eventually people are just going to still tune out. They may just tune in for the just the thought of watching him play, but they're not going to be really in on your team. You're not going to be able to bring in better talent because nobody's going to want to play for an organization that's a mess. You saw how long it took Sacramento to even get to the point where they are now. It's a great story, but my, my goodness, it took them decades to even get to this point where they, they're a good enough team to actually be in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's a huge offseason coming up. Um, Veda, what's kind of your uh, thought on the whole national media thing? I mean, of course, they do make some good points. The Rockets are bad. I mean, we everybody can see that. That's easy to see. But what's kind of your thoughts on just the overall narrative coming from the national media? Well, first off, like Kevin Porter Jr. hasn't played in like over a month. <laughs> and he's yes. just out here catching strays. Like this, to me, <laughs> like, what does this man have to do in order to like rehabilitate his image? Like he hasn't, 
he had you haven't heard a peep from him. You haven't heard yeah. anything. He's been with his with his with his girlfriend, fiance, whatever she is right now. I respect you know respect her, but um, like he he's not even he's not even literally doing anything. He's not in the news. Uh, yeah. They put him in the news. They brought his name up specifically, and I just kind of feel bad for him because it's one of those situations where if he literally has not done anything in a while, they just will not give this man a clean slate. They won't let him. You know, we all look at uh, like reclamation projects and we look at these feel good stories where, you know, people, you know, have these rough backgrounds or they go through things in life and then they overcome it. Like give that man an opportunity to rewrite, you know, to, to write the end of his story. And it's like they want to continuously bring up, you know, well, he did this back in 2020 and he did this back in 2019. And, and you know, yes, he does need to, you know, be held accountable for those things. But we talked about that stuff already. You know, until he starts uh, like getting in the news for like some new stuff, I think they might need to just go ahead and 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 allow him to grow and mature. You know, a lot of people aren't. I would say most people aren't uh, a finished product at 19 years old, at 20 years old as a person. And you can't you you don't know his background. You don't know what he's been through. You don't know what kind of mental issues he he may have had in the past and what he's done to work through those things. And to continuously just bring his name up, you know, like for no reason. I just think that's disrespectful, you know, unless they've actually like heard from a legit source. And the crazy thing is, even if they have, like nobody's putting their name on this stuff. Like, so um, I, 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 it's kind of frustrating to me because as a person who watches every single game, no matter even even though they're, you know, the games are, like I said, are practically unwatchable at this point. Um, sometimes it makes me wonder. You know, and, and I'm a Houston Rockets fan. And if I hear, oh, man, they, they're saying all these things about, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., it makes it, it gives me pause because I'm like, well, is there validity to this? So I'm thinking also, what about people who don't watch this team from from other teams who who hear the story? You know, they're automatically they're automatically going to say, oh, man, that Kevin Porter Jr., he, he must be over there like acting a fool and and, you know, going crazy in the locker room. He must still be like throwing soup and stuff at people and, and like going crazy. Right. So. I think it's kind of unfair, you know, unless they really these some of these guys, I wish they would kind of like own up to uh, where they're getting these this information from because they're just throwing stuff out there. And I think it's really damaging to a player's image. And then as far as the team situation goes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a remedy to it. You know, we have to start winning. They have to make some winning moves in the offseason. But in the meantime, I think it does make you wonder, like, what free agent will want to come to a situation where the national media is continuously saying, hey, don't go don't go to the Rockets. The right because this isn't the first year that this has happened. Like this has been going on for a couple of years now where they're like, man, that that Rockets organization is terrible. You know, I hope I hope such and show so does not go there because I want them to be successful in the NBA. And then, yeah. you know, like as far as like, like I said, bringing in free agents and um, bringing in a good coach, like there's a there's a lot of things. So I I I put some stock into what these guys are are putting out there in the media because I think when it falls on uh, outsiders' ears, they're gonna you know Zach Lowe is a respected person you know in in the NBA community, and so is uh, the the Jonathan Givoni guy. Um, I I used to look at his website all the time. Mm -hmm. Like he had like the best uh, draft express. He had like the best draft website. You know that was out in my opinion because he. You know, I think he actually went to go look at these guys. It wasn't like he was just out there watching YouTube videos and he had good stuff on there. So, like, these are respected guys. And if they're saying, oh, the Houston Rockets situation is horrible, I think I think a lot of people are going to listen to that. And, and like Frank said, like the guys, agents and 
um, their families. Like you, you just don't know. I, if I was a free agent and I and I knew that you know going to, and I felt like going to the Rockets was was gonna hurt my career, I would go somewhere else. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of it. Kenny Smith is a, is one. Um, I don't know. Like I, I understand why Charles Barkley you know has it out for the Rockets every now and again, but like. <laughs> Kenny, to me, um, it's not that the stuff that he's saying is untrue. It's just that he seems to have a little bit extra, like, he seems yeah, to give a little like bit of kicks twist, out of it. Right? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. just stab you. He kind of twisted it a little bit. So I don't know if there's, yeah. you know, some stuff, you know, that went on that we don't know about. But Well, he did interview for a head coaching job, and he didn't get it. And I, yeah, I did right. hear that he, was, he wasn't exactly happy about it. I mean, of course, you know, most people won't be happy about not getting a job, but you know, whether that's part of it or not, all I know is after that point, I can't remember the last thing Kenny Smith said that was a positive thing about the Rockets, even when they were back when they were winning. So I'll just throw that out there. You know, I guess it's human nature. I guess it's human nature. Like if I interviewed for a job somewhere and then I saw like the guy who got the job is doing a terrible job. <laughs> right. right <laughs> you like, know, maybe I would also like get on TV and I might like you know, have some little subtle jabs too. So, but, but I, you know, I don't like it though. I wish he would stop doing that, but you know, he, he, him and, and Reggie Miller, like to me, like, is it just me? I feel like Reggie Miller had like used to hate James Harden because he always had like oh, yeah. some negative things to say. So yeah. I don't know, man, we, we always have these situations with the, with the uh, guys and the, and, and people think that we're being paranoid, but I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I just like I hear, you know, I watch a lot of games from other teams, too. And I just don't seem to hear the same, you know, venom being spewed as some of these other other teams players like they uh, do it towards ours. Yeah. You know, one thing with um, like with the like TNT crew people. Yeah, I don't really put a lot of validity because they don't really analyze the game like that. You know, obviously they're the ex-players. Yeah. So they just talk and, you know, make jokes and things like that. That's why, to me, the the messenger does matter. If it's somebody like Bill Simmons, yeah, okay, we know what time it is. Um, but like for Zach Lowe, honestly, I, I I do listen to him a lot. He's not a you. I do ask myself like, what benefit does a uh, uh, Gavoni or Zach Lowe have to say something? Negative? They don't. There's no incentive, or they don't get paid more for it. Um, so that's why I do kind of like, okay, you know, maybe there. Well, not maybe we can see some of the issues. Like Gavoni's focus is the draft. And he's going based off of a lot of the prospects that, that we've had, um, even though, you know, he's very high on Shangun, um, But, the you know, they did have a whole segment about Jabari Smith. And one of the things that Vader was, Vader, um, was talking about, I think it was uh, Kevin O'Connor or somebody. Remember, he said Paulo shouldn't go to Houston or something like that because of, you know, the culture there in the defense. He'd be a bad defensive player. Um, when people say stuff like that, then you see how Jabari comes out and struggles. It does feed the fire of and the narratives. And to me, some of the the things that the Rockets we feed that is some self inflicted wounds with maybe not having the greatest coach in the world, not having the best roster uh, support in the world. So it's it's like a self cycle of what people say bad things, then we look bad, and not even for tanking teams like Jabari Smith is really struggling right now. Uh, compared to his counterparts. I know people point out Paolo shot one for, if you watch the games, Paolo is a player. Like, the dude's a dude. Like, I don't give a damn if he go 0 for 50. Like, the man, he he's a hooper. You can tell um, all that. And Jabari's a dude, in my opinion. Um, but a lot of the lack of, like, the reading, reacting we talked about earlier, it's hard to run a read and react offense with a bunch of um, 19, 20-year-olds yeah, that never played in the NBA. So, yeah, yeah we, we need to we need to bolster up 
a, a lot of our, our structure in the team and get organized so our players can look the best they can so people will stop riding their necks about everything. Like we're blaming Jalen Green for all this stuff where the dude's a kid. So I'm looking at Stone, Silas. I don't know if Silas is going to be here, but right a couple months ago, I stopped caring about what the players did. I'm looking at the adults. If they can't turn the ship around, I'm not blaming Jalen Jabari. It's going to be on the front office and the coaching staff. Yeah. And as you said, self-inflicted wounds, when you come out and say, uh, like, we don't run plays for X player or, yeah, or Y player, even though you may have a good, <laughs> even though you may have a good running a play for that guy, it oh, sounds man. bad. It sounds, bad. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds terrible. Yes. Do not say that. Don't say Jesus, that. keep that to yourself, man. Yeah, I, I did not understand that at all. I, I understand his reasoning. Because he's probably saying because we don't run plays because honestly he he wants to say because they're not able to run the plays but yeah. there's no reason to say because it you're not going to look good regardless of whether you have a good reason for saying it or not that's just one of those things man you just need to keep to yourself <laughs> don't tell anybody that because people are looking for things to aggregate and to put out there and to make you look bad and if you're helping them out man that that wasn't a good look and I've been one of the people that's actually been in the middle with Silas, I, I'm not too high on him. I'm not too low on him. But that was just, man, you got to watch what you say these days, especially, especially when, when you're when a bad people are team. watching the games and they're like, yes, are the it looks like running plays. When I heard, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> and, and the thing with, with, with Silas and obviously we got to know that he also is like a rookie. Yeah, so like it is is honestly the rocket situation is just uh, to me it was the wrong place, wrong time as far as trying to pull off a rebuild with a new GM because Stone is damn near a rookie himself, um, a new coach coming in and a bunch of nineteen and twenty year old, a new owner for the most new owner. It's a perfect storm, man. And what you hope and I've seen even for Stone him make strides as a general manager. Like some of the moves they made this past deadline were a bit more. Um, they weren't like, oh my god, but like the Eric Gordon trade, I love that trade. It's what the they pick did, swap. Yeah. yeah, the pick swap to get the range. Like to me, that's the value of almost two late first round picks to be able to move ten spots down in a draft just based on where the Clippers are going to finish compared to Milwaukee. Um, you know, Silas, I don't know. You know, he still looks like he's struggling um, to get acclimated being an NBA head coach, but it, it's just been a perfect storm of just a lot of novices and it looks like it. And you just hope that as this season's coming along, that they are, have learned enough in the past few years to be able to say, okay, we can start really pushing forward as an NBA um, organization here with this new yeah. front office. We have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at this point it, it is what it is. We're, it's nothing really going to improve this season. I mean, most coaches and players will tell you, they don't really make major improvements until the off season. So what we're seeing now is pretty much what we're going to see at the end of the year. It's just a matter of who are we seeing it from. Um, it, it'll just be good to see certain players out on the court like we spoke about before. And just really quick on Kevin Porter Jr. before we wrap it up. I mean, I'm not at every single game. I'm not at every single practice. But just from what I've seen and what I've heard, players around the league love him. Um, his teammates love him. Um, the coaches, I mean, you could tell the way Coach Charles talks about him. And I know people get mad about, well, he he loves certain players and he hates Shangoon, But – you could tell that the you know from Lucas to Holland, whoever it is, they they love Kevin Porter Jr. So it definitely seemed like it's a matter of like Frank was saying, being on a bad team and you're not able to rehabilitate rehabilitate real pit 
<laughs> you're not able to change your image until you're on a in a better situation. And we're not going to see that this year with any of the Rockets players. And it's the same thing is going to happen with Jabari Smith. He's not going to be able to show his full potential until he's on a better team because he's not like Paolo uh, Bancaro. He's not a type of player that can just go out there and put up 25 points and get 10 assists. That's just not the type of player Jabari is. Jabari's the type of player who needs to be on a really good team or at least a, a functioning team to where you can kind of just see everything that he can bring to a team, like he, sort of like he was in college. Um, on a bad team, he's just not going to – you're not going to see those great qualities come from Jabari. And some of it's on Jabari. Jabari needs to do a better job of getting in a better position and stop playing. He, he plays kind of mechanical sometimes. Sometimes he just kind of needs to just let it go and just go out there and play. So it, it's just a lot of bad things, like I was saying, they're just kind of adding up at once. And we're really not going to see – the Rockets take that next step until next season, and then we can actually maybe see a functioning team. And whether Coach Silas is the coach of that team or not, honestly, I don't even know at this point. I wouldn't be surprised one way or another. If he's fired, I wouldn't be surprised after this offseason. If he's back, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. But I will say if he is back next season, they can't start off the season like they've had these last two or three seasons. There's just no way that's he's going to uh, survive that. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out. Of course, the Rockets have another game Sunday. Um, we kind of know how that's going to go. But uh, as Rockets fans, we're going to be watching it anyway. Um, so we'll see how that, all that plays out. Um, I want to thank Frank for joining us. Before we wrap it up, why don't you let everybody know where they can find the great content over at Chop Shop. Yeah, um, it's the Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube. You guys can check us out. We do post-game lives as well uh, with my, my co-host Space Ghost. And then, yeah, we drop try to drop content um you know just covering the team the best we can hopefully i'm hoping we are good because uh next season because i man it would be nice to yes. drop some happy hey let's talk about these plays i can't even oh, if y'all remember i used to break down plays i when's the last <laughs> yeah. time you seen a play breakdown video bro what am i gonna break down? <laughs> look man, at this ball like look how, look how the angle of the ball yes. spins and misses <laughs> the rim you know so yeah it's crazy you know you don't yeah, it's, about it's about funny you brought that up please it's funny you bring that up because me and vader tried that uh, i was i had a whole thing playing out where we're going to be talking about individual plays and breaking them down and, and it just got to the point like okay like is what it really a point at? to break down the yeah, plays because yeah, we it's kind of the same thing it's kind of pick and roll it's kind of you know hopefully somebody hits a wide open three which probably not going to happen so that you know i, I definitely agree with you man it, it, it It'll be great to see some winning basketball next season because, man, I've been doing this since the 2020 season, um, right before uh, Harden left and right after he he was gone. And, man, it's been rough putting out yeah. content every every week. But, hey, we're hey, here. Hey. We're trying to make it work. As Tillman Fertitta said, pray for Victor. <laughs> pray for Victor. Hey, and I haven't even had any drinks, and I'm saying that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. I need to know what, he, what was in that man's cup, man. <laughs> that boy had a hurricane. You know how they do a market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He had, the, he had, had that, that billionaire drink in his hand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, no, man, I appreciate it, Frank. Man, you put out yeah. great content. If anybody appreciate needs real content to watch, even during these hard times, that's still going to keep you interested. Definitely take, uh, check out the uh, Chop Shop, what they're doing over there. It's some uh, great content for sure. Appreciate you. Yeah, so I appreciate you, Frank. I appreciate, of course, you, Vader, jumping on uh, with me every week. We'll be back next week talking about something with the Rockets. It may not be the games necessarily, but I'm sure there'll be some controversy that comes out next uh, week, either Rockets Twitter or the national media. So we'll be back next week. And we appreciate everybody jumps on every week, checks out. 
our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple, wherever you get our podcast. We appreciate every week. So make sure you join us for our next show of the Rocket Fuel podcast presented by Clutch Fans.